basin of water, a towel, and love. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. We appreciate you joining us as we have another conversation about another event in the life of Jesus. It's evening. The table has been set. The friends have gathered together. Jesus and his disciples are there. It's an intimate moment. And Jesus will do something that the disciples were definitely not expecting. Well, today's event is recorded in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 20, and then verses 31 through 35. There's a lot going on here. In fact, we're going to only really touch on some of the points of what happened that evening. We'll cover more really in the next podcast when we talk about the Last Supper and the meal and and all of that. But here is something that's happening just as the meal is beginning. Right. This is the Passover time. So we have to actually read the first few verses to get the setting for what's going to take place. Sort of lays the foundation. And so it says Jesus knew that it was time for him to leave this world and go back to the Father. He had always loved those who were his own in the world, and he loved them all the way to the end. So Jesus knew who he was. He knew he was going back to the Father, and he loved his disciples. It says to the end. And that could be taken one of two ways, and probably it's meant in both ways. It can mean that he loved them to the very last, that he loved them all the way through his ministry, all the way up till he died. Or it also can mean that he loved them to the uttermost. He loved them to the deepest level possible. And I think actually both ideas are present. Jesus was a person who loved deeply and his love would never give up. It would never end. It would continue on. So Jesus had been everything to his followers. And you would think that all of them would come to this event just in love and trust, and they're going to have a meal together, which in that culture is so important. And yet trouble is brewing. It is brewing because it says that the devil had already persuaded Judas to turn against Jesus. And Jesus knew this. But it says in verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him power over everything. He knew that he had come from God and he was going back to God. Jesus had all power. And I remember one of my teachers once saying that Jesus was the only one who had all power. And he used that power not for himself, not to promote himself, but for others, to help others. That's a hard lesson for me to learn. I want to use my power to promote myself and what I think is important, but to use the power that God has given me to serve others, that's a hard thing to do. But here, Jesus, who had all power, he does that. That's amazing to me. Before this meal, these were men that had just been walking in the streets. They had been traveling. Back in those times, they would have had open sandals and There's not sanitation, there's not street cleaners. 
It's a, it would be a dirty business walking on the street in those days. And so coming to this meal, and it doesn't seem like care has been taken to make sure those basic needs were met. This is something that usually if you were to go to someone's house, I think if I'm not wrong, David, it would be a servant or a slave that would wash the feet. It'd just be expected. It was expected, yes. And it was the job of the person that had the lowest status, like a slave or servant. No one wanted to do that job. It was a dirty job. And like you pointed out, it's not only that the streets were dirty with dirt, but there was other things in the street, too, that would collect on your feet. So it was a messy job. Yeah, nobody was there to wash feet, evidently. And I love how the story unfolds. It's step by step. First, Jesus stood up. And then he took off his outer clothing. I'm wondering if the disciples were thinking, hmm, what's he doing? And then he took a towel and he wrapped it around his waist. The attention is growing. I'm sure every eye was on Jesus and what he was doing. Then he poured water into a bowl. And then he did the unthinkable. He began to wash the followers' feet. Now, we've all probably been in situations where someone does something that we think is embarrassing, and we get embarrassed by them and for them. And I can just imagine that this is where the disciples were. If I was there, I think I would be embarrassed. Yeah, so I can imagine that the disciples maybe felt embarrassed and uncomfortable to see their master, their rabbi, their Lord, doing this that he's not really supposed to be doing or should be doing. Especially when he came to Peter. And here's Peter. I don't think of Peter as one that's ultra concerned with being proper, (laughs) but he was flabbergasted by this. It's like, what's happening? You're going to wash my feet? He did not want Jesus to wash his feet. This was just wrong. Peter says in verse 8, no, you will never wash my feet. And then Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you're not one of my people. You're not one of my followers. And of course, anything, he wanted to be a follower of Jesus. He was a committed follower of Jesus. And then so he says, well, just wash all of me because I want to be your follower. I love that about Peter. From the no, never to wash all of me, you know, he's like, okay. And I think it's really important what Jesus says next. He says, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. I don't even think Jesus was probably surprised that they didn't understand this. It was so unusual, but he really wanted to express to them true love and in a different kind of way than they had anticipated. He wanted to show the love, not just of a teacher, not just of a Lord, but to actually serve them like a servant would serve someone. I'm just trying to imagine David being there that night as Jesus is quietly going to each person and washing their feet. This would have gone on and on. It would have been like time was standing still watching Jesus do this. And I can't fathom how Jesus would have gotten to Judas and Hmm. washed his feet. Because the other 
disciples did not know that Judas had already met with the Pharisees. He'd already talked about being paid to betray Jesus. They didn't know all that, but Jesus did. And yet Jesus comes to Judas and washes Judas's feet. He even serves the one who has let him down, the one who has betrayed him. I find that so challenging. And I think, how did he do that? If somebody wants to hurt me, I'm not thinking about serving them. Yeah, I can't imagine that. That would be so hard to do. But Jesus knew who he was. Jesus loved, and it didn't matter who the person was. We were talking earlier, before the podcast, why did Jesus wash feet on this occasion? And here are some thoughts about that. When he washes Peter's feet, Jesus concludes that in verse 10, after a person has had a bath, his whole body is clean. So he talks about being clean. He needs only to wash his feet, and you men are clean, but not all of you. So he connects being clean with this, and we know that later when he goes to the cross, that's what he does. He makes us clean. There's a connection between the washing of their feet and him dying on the cross. Both are expressions of deep love. Both are examples of loving them to the uttermost, loving them all the way to the end. Because if you truly love someone, you can wash their feet. You can do what no one else will do for them. And you can die on behalf of someone. They're both examples of deep and great love. Jesus did understand their confusion. And he says, I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. He says, you call me teacher and you call me Lord. This has not changed that. I am your teacher. I am your Lord. And I'm doing this. And that's a huge lesson. I don't think this was just some elaborate visual aid to explain being a servant and explain humility. Jesus did love his disciples to the end. (laughs) He'd always loved them. He wanted to make sure that they understood his deep love for them. And in that, the Father's deep love for them. Jesus did not shy away from submitting. He submitted to the Father, and now he's even submitting to these men, and he's going so far as to be a servant to the very one who betrayed him. Jesus, to his very core, yes, he's teacher, yes, he's Lord, yes, he's the Son of God, but he is a servant. He wants to express love by serving. That's so powerful, so hard to do. He says, I did this as an example for you so that you should do as I have done for you. Here we see the heart of Jesus in the towel. And this same heart will be broken on the cross a little while later. But he said, you should do as I have done for you. So if Jesus, the one who had all power, can wash my feet, I should wash anyone else's feet, my brother or my sister, the ones that I feel close to and the ones that maybe I have a problem with. I should demonstrate my love and be willing to wash even their feet. That's what Jesus is saying. 
you should do as I have done for you. No one's any better than anybody else among the community of the people of Jesus. Jesus brings in some Old Testament scripture about a friend who turns on you. In Psalm chapter 41, it talks about enemies, but also talks about a friend that eats at the table with you and yet then turns around and goes against you. And in verse 18, when he's talking about this situation, he's saying, but what the scripture said must happen. The man who ate at my table has now turned against me. So even as he explains the meaning of this, why he's doing this, he's also thinking in all these other levels. This is one night for the disciples, but for Jesus, this is part of the big story. This is all part of why he came. He came to serve. He came to be a servant. In fact, very soon, the the very death on the cross is the biggest service that he will ever do, that he does for all of mankind, even to those who say they're friends but turn against him. We come toward the end of chapter 13, and Jesus is still talking to his disciples and explaining what's going to happen, you know, what has happened, what is going to happen. And he says in verse 33 something probably sad to them. He says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and what I told the Jews, I tell you now where I am going. You cannot come. This is actually the only time in the Gospel of John where Jesus addresses his disciples as my children. He calls them friends a little bit later, but here he calls them my children. He's telling them he's going away, and they don't understand that. But he's going away right now, and they can't come. But he says later they will be able to come where he's going. But he leaves them with this command in verse 34 and in verse 35. He says, I give you a new command, love each other. You must love each other as I have loved you. And all people will know that you are my followers if you love each other. So here's what's called the new commandment, to love one another. So here at the end of the story of washing the feet of the disciples, talking about some things and telling them he's going to be going away, and he'll continue talking about that in the chapters to follow, But here he gives them something, a new way of living that he's already demonstrated to them in washing their feet. That is a new command, he says, to love each other. And love them, he says, just as I or even as I have loved you. Love one another in the same way that I have loved you. And if you do this, everyone will know that you are my followers because no one else loves like this. And isn't this the standard to go by? I think this often. If I am trying to serve, and maybe I'm tired, maybe I don't feel like it sometimes, but then I think, wow, Jesus served far beyond what I could ever do. And so it's one of those things that I look to, and I think, if Jesus did it, I'm going to try my best to do it, because I want to be like Jesus. The only command that Jesus gives in the Gospel of John is this command to love one another. And really that takes care of everything else. If we truly love one another, man, this would be a much better world. This matters to 
relationships. It matters in families. It matters husband and wives, parents and children. This matters in the church. And even though people may not appreciate it and even understand it, we can express love even to people that don't even know about Jesus. We can still express love and do loving things. We can serve them, and they don't understand exactly what our motivation is, but we do. And I guess one of the things on the flip side is a church that, can you imagine a church where no one loved each other, where they didn't serve each other, where they talked about each other and gossiped and did not express any kind of care? You know, that's not drawing people to God. People would look at a church like that and think, I wouldn't want to be a Christian. If that's what Christians are like, forget it. And that's just the very opposite of what Jesus wanted to be the natural, ongoing draw of Christianity, not because we're doing something false or just to attract people, because we want to be like Jesus, and Jesus will attract people. Yeah, as long as followers of Jesus are loving one another like Jesus loves, the world is actually encountering Jesus in those expressions of love. You know, David, as I look through this, I'm thinking of Jesus as my Savior, but I'm also thinking of Him as the perfect teacher. I love how this passage is laid out. We know what Jesus is thinking, what He knows. He knows who He is. He knows where He's going. We, we know that the head, the knowledge. But we also know his heart. He loves these men. He loves these disciples. We know what he's thinking. We know what he's feeling. And then we see what he's doing. And we get this full picture. And for me, that's the kind of teacher I want to be. I want to come into a classroom and I want to know who I am. I want to know who I follow, where I'm going. I want the children to know that. I want them to have knowledge, share knowledge with them. But I also bring a heart to that. That's not just a bunch of facts. I love those children. I want the best for them. And if I don't, I shouldn't be a teacher. I should not be in that room. Because as teachers, we need to love our students, not just to give them facts, but to give them our hearts and to love them. And then sometimes we forget this last step of actually doing something, showing that love. You know, when I'm teaching, I want to give them knowledge. I want to share my heart and I want them to be touched, but I want them to know what to do with that. I want them to know how to live their lives. And Jesus sent these disciples away with a command. So go out and love each other, serve each other. Do those things. So in the same way, when I'm teaching children, I want to give them ways of living, new skills. I want them to know how to love people and to serve people. So I look at this and I get so excited as a teacher because I see Jesus as the perfect example of the kind of teacher I want to be. As a teacher, I would think about how this example of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, how that is parallel with his death on the cross. This story of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, it foreshadows the cross. Both of these are examples of great, deep love. So I'd ask the class how these are parallel. 
what's the same about washing feet and then laying aside your life for someone else, for the sake of someone else? And I would ask the class, has anyone done that for them? Has anyone laid aside their life or served them and demonstrated deep and abiding love for them? And how did that impact their life? And another thing that can be done in a class is wash the feet. As a teacher, wash your class's feet. Now, of course, if the class is too large, it may not be practical. But do that not because you just want to demonstrate an example, but do that as an expression of your love and devotion to the class. As a teacher, I want to love my class as well. Like Mary talked about loving the children. I need to do that as well. I need to give myself for the benefit for the sake of the class. And when you're doing this, washing feet, speak words of encouragement to the class. Affirm your love for them. Let them know that they are deeply loved. You don't have to wash feet to do that, but that's a great and it's a humbling way to demonstrate one's love. David, I've participated in that. I know we both have. And it's just probably as shocking today as it was then. It's different now. Yes, it's it's not done as a necessity. But having someone on the floor with water washing my feet is one of the most humbling things I can think of. It is a very meaningful experience. And I, I would challenge you as a teacher to do that in your class. I would try that with children also. And I have done that. I have washed the feet of the children in my class, and they were humbled. They were very touched by it. You would think they'd get all giggly and splash and all those things, but I know the children in my class got very quiet. They were very somber. They had not had an adult do that kind of thing for them, so they were very touched. So that's uh, universal. I think it would work in a child's class, too. In a children's class, I think I would want them to understand humility and what that really means, that idea of status, like this was something Jesus did that usually servants did, and that's what made that such a special thing. I want children to think about what kind of things that we do, not out of duty, but because we want to help someone It changes everything to think of it in that way. I want the children to memorize John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, the idea of loving each other as I have loved you, and all people will know that you are my followers if you love each other. That's a very important, a core verse for their life in the church, their life at home. That's a very important thing. So I, I think that's worth memorizing. There are other ideas for this class, crafts of footprints and all kinds of things. But at the core, isn't it a wonderful thing that Jesus, my Savior, my Lord, my teacher, that he would humble himself in this way and that he would get down and wash feet. Oh, how I want to be that way. I hope you can take that into your classroom and share that love with your students. And may God bless you as you continue to speak into the lives of adults and children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. 
Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's Word with children.